Welcome back, folks, to episode 14 of the Running Man Self-Regulation Skills and Self-Improvement Project podcast. With me, your host, Dr. Armando Dominguez, Ph.D. in Health Psychology and also Licensed Professional Counselor and Adjunct Professor at a local community college. And what we're going to be discussing today has to do with time, time binding, the way we perceive and uh, measure time in, in our minds and how we experience it as well, those are two different things. And the actual, in quotes, topic is going to be the eternal now. Now, this is a, a concept that I've lifted from enlightenment processes that involve prayer meditation and trying to get in connection with a higher source. But there's a very practical, physical, self-regulatory quality to the eternal now in the sense that it gives us an idea, gives us a sense of what happens whenever I'm under the highest degree of stress or elevating stress, and how that changes how we not only speak about what we call, in quotes, time, but also how we experience, and I am flexing my air quotes here, time, uh, as far as how we perceive it and experience it physically versus just how we're thinking about it. So the eternal now, what, what do I mean by that? And why is this so important to self-regulatory skills? If we're dealing with any kind of elevation in heart rate and breathing, of course, uh, in the earlier episodes in the podcast, the hemodynamics cognition, we were talking about how the blood flow leaves the front part of the brain and therefore taking whatever resident sugar uh, floating around in the blood in that blood flow and shunting it to the skeletal muscle so we're stronger, we get a little dumber for a short period of time, which means I don't have the, the fuel to do the thinking that I want to think with. And that makes a big difference in how much clarity I have and whether or not I can execute on the things I'm actually able to think about, mostly the, the more simplified visual capacity type thinking memories of things that are like mental pictures, but yet I can't act on them or strategize on them. I don't have the resident fuel to make that happen, at least not very well. It's not an absolute zero, and I'm not speaking in absolute when I speak about the hemodynamics, but it is a blood flow that, that changes based on level of stress. So back to time, and also time binding, and in quotes, the internal now. So what is the eternal now? To use uh, an explanation from people that, that experience such as uh, anything like an addiction, drug use, or drug abuse, often during the time that there, there is pain from withdrawal, for instance, there is a sense of time that is uncomfortable, and this goes right along the lines with chronic pain, or whenever things hurt or really frightening, and we wish they were over, but yet it seems like time seems to drag. This is the time dilation effect. And that is part and parcel to hyperarousal. And police departments and first responder units, military folks, are often very aware of this, either by their experience or by their reading. But uh, when we realize that time dilation can occur at the extremes, that also means that there's a, a lack of control there in many cases to control that phenomenon, wherever things become really elongated in the way we're mentally perceiving those. Now, these aren't mysteries to our science, but it is pretty well uh, studied in the scientific literature and uh, a number of journals in law enforcement, military, this sort of thing, even sports psychology. But uh, the reason I refer to this is that whenever we're dealing with, well, how am I going to manage myself and think really well whenever I'm under extreme duress, 
I'm experiencing fear, I uh, feel like I've got to run, or maybe if I have chronic pain. Often we will focus on the discomfort and we find ourselves wanting and wishing for the time to be over, for it to be done already. We can think about now because right now the suggestion is very, very compelling, especially if we have a throbbing pain from, let's say, a broken toe. I just ran into a wall and broke my pinky toe. I've done that. And wasn't any kind of fun. I laughed a little bit. But uh, realizing at that moment when the pain was happening, it wasn't allowing me to think forward in time very well. It interrupted my best attempts at trying to plan in the future sense. So I had to deal with things in the immediate sense. And uh, it kind of limited me that that was my experience. Now, whenever we're dealing with general day-to-day stress, we're pretty much planning all the time. We're trying to predict what's going to happen based on history. That's our past tense. That's also our past uh, remembrance of time, memory of time. And uh, we deal with that in the moment where we're trying to draw inspiration or knowledge or wisdom from so we can make a, a better prediction moving forward. And often we have an expectation as a result that we've done it often enough, whatever it is, based on what our prior experience was. Now, things can get frustrating. Things won't always work out the way we plan for them. But whenever we're experiencing discomfort, whenever we're in confrontation, when things get loud really fast and you don't expect it, when there's a surprise, when there's physical pain, when there's mental, emotional discomfort or pain, um, there, there's a difference in how we feel about things because often if we're trying to get out of there, we get very simplified and we have a hard time with communication, but also the way we perceive time is very different because we're in the immediate now experiencing things. And this is an embodiment of sorts. And this is on the side of being mindful, being fully mindful of what's going on. And the problem is when you're experiencing that, often it can be really uncomfortable. Often we lament that whenever we're having peak experiences, fun experiences, they don't last long. Pain lasts forever and fun goes away really fast. And it seems like we try to encourage the dilation on the good side, which that can happen. There are methods they can use to, to help you dilate time in the enjoyable now versus the painful and scary now. And... What I'm trying to point out is that the difference in how we perceive time a lot of times has to do with um, our sense of stress or our assumption of safety. If we feel unsafe, we tend to go along the lines of fight-flight mode. Whereas if our assumption of safety is met and we are, in quotes, in flow, uh, not unlike the term by uh, Dr. Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi, he did a number of studies that uh, people loved especially those that, that are performance artists, people that are athletes, people that uh, wanted to understand more about, well, how do I respond and how can I encourage a peak experience or maybe even a flow state that I can find things more enjoyable and elongate or dilate that experience so it lasts longer. He did quite a few things and he wrote a number of books on uh, the flow state and also that dilation of time and that sense of Self-soness, so being how I am now, but not being an uncomfortable state, one that is enjoyable versus the side that we're speaking from, the self-regulatory, 
How do I manage when it's uncomfortable and whenever it feels like it lasts forever? One thing that we have to point out is that whenever we're in the point of the more negative, and I don't want to say bad, but uh, the more negative side of the time dilation, the experience of time feeling like it lasts forever often, paying attention to our perceptions. Uh, this is a sensory integration technique where you pay attention to colors, sounds, tastes, touches. That will get us focused in the immediate now versus whenever our upper mind races when we're under stress and we start predicting things and projecting forward and trying to make predictions of all the possibilities that could go wrong versus figuring out a solution to what's happening now. And we can exaggerate things. And I had a friend tell me today that uh, it can get exaggerated to the point that uh, it gets really uncomfortable whenever we fear. When we're in that state of fear, and we're going to use this term now, fear, um, our predictive quality tends to err on the side of the negatives. And we're already wired to seek the negatives, but then we start making narrative. Once that signal splits off from the perception outside, or the perception of pain, I've hurt my foot, for instance. Then we start making pattern plans as to how to stop this, how to change it, and they lay in the future. The problem is the most proximal suggestion that the suggestion and compelling uh, experience of having pain right now is right now. It's not in the future. We, it'd be nice if we could say, you know what, I don't have time to feel this pain right now, so I'm going to schedule this for about 30 minutes from now because I'm just not equipped nor ready to handle this right now. Now, if we could do that, that would be miraculous, but unfortunately, we don't have that capacity. So what can we do to make it through? One of the things is, in the immediate now, is be able to be grounded and as aware and present as possible and try not to let our mind get away from us. How do we do that? One is sensory integration. If you can walk and you're not injured, or anything along those lines, then walk, move. Allow your body to have that sense of, I can get away from consequence and circumstance, immediate physical environment, and also immediate mental environment. And the blood flow um, episode, the hemodynamics of cognition, I discussed some of this, and talking about when my heart rate goes up, I should match the movement to the heart rate. That actually alleviates some of that pressured sense, but also gives us a physical suggestion, speaking the language of the body, and this is motion saying that I can get away from this, or I can wave, walk away from this. But the underlying secret self-regulation technique within this is the fact that whenever we stress, blood flow moves away from our frontal lobe. And in the inverse sense, if I'm overthinking something, if I get blood sent to the muscles intentionally by my movement, that becomes the default and it becomes the dominant skeletal muscle uh, dominance that we want to help not dysregulate but take some of that intense power of the thinking away from our thinker and we'll be able to think more clearly. Whenever we're in semi-productive, well maybe not productive, but um, what we would call predictive mode when we're under stress, we tend to resemble in thought what we call uh, multitasking. And we as humans do not multitask well. There are people that do many tasks at once and do things rather shittily, if you don't mind my saying that. And they're not as high quality as the things that they do in a linear sense. We just do better whenever we're doing things 
one task at a time. When we're under stress, we try to look at all possibilities. So therefore, we get this scattered mind uh, quality that makes it difficult to think our way through and make a decision. Now, if we're singularly thinking, it makes it a little bit easier to make those decisions whenever our frontal lobe is underpowered. It comes back once again. But these are just some important things. So what about the eternal now? The reason I use this term is that in Zen meditation, and uh, even in certain Eastern Orthodox prayer methods that are on, on more on the Christian side, the older methods, they speak about having this sense of holy emptiness, or they speak of this long, immediate right now, the eternal now. Whenever people that have had an addiction to drugs or food or shopping, they talk about that space. When they're one with what it is that they're doing, they're embodied and mindful. And when we speak of it in, in a more positive sense, flow, integration, or being fully integrated and feeling at one or being one with the experience that you're having and not feeling separate from what you're doing and you're just doing it. That's a very powerful experience. But whenever it comes to the discomfort or the inverse of it, when we're going through, let's say, withdrawals or feeling a sense of physical deprivation, it feels like getting to the next point to pay off. We tend to pay attention to that and we become hyper focused on the lack, the deprivation, especially if it's something that we become addicted to that uses our primary breathing apparatus and eating and drinking apparatus to survive, but rather to do something addictive like uh, drinking alcohol or using drugs, things that we take in just like we would food that would uh, alimentate our lives with good food and good water, this sort of thing. We use those same directions, those same uh, aspects of ourselves, our mouth and our breather, our lungs to addict with. So it, it's hard to stop those things once they've started and become ingrained into our lives. Not so different whenever we have physical pain, we're used to not having pain. Whenever we do have pain, we want to go back to not having pain. It's a very hedonic thing. We're trying to alleviate pain, stop pain, or move away from pain or potential danger or injury. If we see that, if it's not an injury thing, and we want to move towards those things uh, as quickly as possible if it promises alleviation of discomfort. And we want to move away from these things that, that are dangerous. So it's a rather simple thing, but it's profound in the same breath for that matter. But the way we see time is definitely reflective of the state of body that we're in. And we can use that in a more normative sense day to day by being aware of when I'm thinking of things past, present, future more easily, I can entertain those three times or think about those three times very easily when I'm not under stress. And we tend to really, really focus on the past and the future. And it feels like we can't get, get out of the right now whenever we're in a negative or a painful or, or frightened state. But yet, when we're in that state of flow, in that positive comfort, that generative state, when it feels good, all time falls away and we're just in that moment doing those things that give us such good feelings and pleasure.
And these are all some rather normal things considering the level of stress we get from our environment. So these are just some thoughts, some things to help us with self-regulation by understanding, well, how do I see time? How do I talk about time? How is time spoken to me by other people when they're happy, when they're under stress, whenever they're in pain? How do I speak to them in those same states? So, for now, I'll cut this short and say I appreciate your time, and thank you for listening and thinking about how we time-bind. We're time-binders as humans. And binding just means holding time. And how we hold time, conceive of time, a conception or a thought, is kind of a holding pattern for an idea in this sense, time, uh, for this podcast. And how do I conceive it? How do I think about it? How do I experience it? Those are good self-directed questions to think about because they also kind of inform how we think about things when we're under stress and help us understand things whenever people are under stress and they're trying to tell us things and things don't seem to match up from what we're seeing outside, but yet what they're experiencing may be different because of what's going on inside of them. These are good navigation tools and I appreciate your time once again. Certainly love talking to you and uh, follow, share, like, and if you know somebody that would be interested in the information on this podcast, please share that. And if you have any comments, questions, or any suggestions, especially if it's a topic that you'd like to hear about relative to self-regulation and uh, the human stress model, please let me know at uh, Running Man Get Skills Project at Gmail. And once again, that's at Running Man Get Skills Project at Gmail. And I certainly look forward to doing the next podcast. And you take care and be well. Enjoy your September.